Will you pray with me? Eternal Father, great God of heaven, the whole earth is full of your glory. And our prayer today, God, is that you would fill this place, that you would fill our hearts. And even as we pray that, we realize, God, that you cannot fill that which is already full. And so, God, we pray that you would empty us of everything that would keep us from receiving all that you have for us today. Because we confess, Lord, we need you every hour. We need you in this hour. For the living of these days, we need you. And we can't live without you, God. And so we ask, God, that you would help us to hear your voice today and not harden our hearts. And we pray, God, that you would teach us something that changes us so that we might be your people on mission in this world, in this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good all the time. It's good to be with you, good to worship with you. I appreciate Pastor Eddie preaching last weekend. I was doing some writing and uh, doing some meeting, and I prefer writing to meeting, but more than either of those, I prefer being with you. And I'm grateful that every one of you is here today to worship God with us. We are his church. We are his people. Build communities of prayer and everything will change. So wrote the Archbishop of Canterbury. Which Archbishop of Canterbury? I'm not sure because on the tweet where I read it, they didn't specify. But I like the quote anyway. Build Communities of prayer and everything will change, Louis Giglio wrote, quoting the Archbishop of Canterbury. And I wondered what would change if we became a community of prayer. I'm certain we would change. I'm certain our church would change. And I wonder who taught us to pray. Maybe you, like I, grew up in churches singing, teach us to pray, Lord, teach us to pray. It's in Luke chapter 11, verse one, where Jesus is um, praying at a certain place and his disciples observe that and it's become such a pattern in his life. He prays in the morning, he prays in the evening, sometimes he prays all night long and they want to learn to pray the way that he prays and so collectively they come to him and enroll in Christ's school of prayer. Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray and Jesus taught them to pray. And in Jesus' day, there were lots of people who prayed in lots of different ways, but Jesus' school of prayer was distinctive in a very important way that changes everything. And I'd like to show us that today. I'd like for his words to resound and resonate in our hearts. So for the next six weeks, we're going to march forward on our knees as the people of God, seeking him, learning to pray in ways that change us and help us become who he wants us to be. Would you open your Bibles with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, Verse five, I'm gonna read verses five through eight and part of verse nine and then when I get to 
what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. We're going to call it the Disciples Prayer. I want to ask you to say it with me. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it'll be up on the screen. Let's stand together. Let's hear the Word of God standing under the authority of our Lord today. Like the people in Ezra's day, we rise expecting God to speak through his word to us today. And it says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Please join me, our father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you. You may be seated. People prayed in Jesus' day. They prayed in different ways. There were those who um, prayed in order to be seen by others. And there were those who just thought the sheer volume of their words would somehow twist the arm of God and force him to give what they wanted him to give. They prayed, but Jesus taught us to pray in a different way. And the distinctive of Jesus' prayer is it's very evident in these verses that Jesus wanted us to pray out of a relationship with a heavenly father who knows us and who sees us. And this is what distinguished his prayer from all those who taught prayer before him because he wanted them to understand. He wants us to understand that prayer is primarily about relationship. It's about knowing the God who knows us. It's about talking to the God who sees us in secret and who wants to give to us even more than we want to receive. And my word to you is what if we collectively, corporately enrolled in the school of prayer in Jesus Christ school of prayer and said to him in these weeks, teach us to pray as we pray. So we live the way we pray will, will surely inform the way we live. And I am convinced that if we prayed differently, we would live differently. If we built a community of prayer, it would change everything because God would change us and make us agents of change in a world that obviously needs to be changed. So are you in? Are you willing to enroll in Christ's school of prayer and let him form you and form us into a community of prayer. 
so that everything changes. Listen to his words because Jesus teaches us that disciples pray differently. If you want the Lord's prayer, you need to spend some time in John chapter 17. It's very powerful. It's very impressive. If that's the way they heard him pray every day, no wonder they said to him, teach us to pray. But when they said, we want you to teach us to pray, he starts out by saying, okay, when you pray, he's making an assumption, isn't he? Disciples pray We're not just those people who talk about prayer and who teach about prayer, but we are those who actually pray. And when you pray, he says, do not. Twice, he says, do not. And he makes two contrasts. First, with the religious people who are hypocritical because they want to pretend to be more than they are. And then also with the pagans or the Gentiles or the nations who think if they pray long prayers that God will hear them. But he says, not once, but twice, but your father who sees in secret, your father who already knows what your needs are. So disciples are those who pray in secret to the God who sees us. This is important because Jesus says there are hypocrites. That word is not just an insult. It's a a word that means to wear a mask, to play pretend. And he says, there are these religious leaders, these Pharisees. In fact, Jesus tells about them, doesn't he? In, In Luke chapter 18, verse 11 and verse 13, he contrasts a Pharisee with a tax collector. And he says about the Pharisee, the Pharisee was talking to God about himself. In fact, his whole prayer was centered in self and he was wearing this mask and he was saying to God, I'm so glad I'm not like all these other people. I'm glad I'm not like that tax collector. And he is so focused on himself that he cannot be focused on God. And he clearly doesn't know God as his father. But here, here is the, the tax collector saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Literally in Greek, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. I don't know about any other sinners, but I am the sinner. He says, I'm the one. What's wrong with the world? They asked G.K. Chesterton. He wrote simply, I am. That's the spirit. That's the attitude. And then Jesus says in verse 13 of Luke chapter 18, if you enter into prayer, exalting yourself, we will be humiliated. But if like the tax collector, we humble ourselves before God and and voluntarily humiliate ourselves before him, he will surely exalt us and lift us up. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't don't pray like the publicans. Why? What's what's wrong with the, the Pharisees, with the religious, with the hypocrites? The problem is, he says, they pray. It's a purpose clause in order to be seen. They want to be seen. They want somebody to see them praying. And he says, and they already have received their reward. Did you know we need to get back? I read this week, Paul David Tripp said, we need to get back to the idea that there are rich rewards in serving God. And what is the reward we receive? You ever spend time just imagining that, what it will be like in heaven, what reward you will receive? He says, if you are praying for yourself, about yourself, to be seen by others. If that's what you want out of prayer, good, you got it. Everybody noticed you. Everybody knows you're a person of prayer because you talk about it incessantly. That's all you wanted, okay, you got it. Or we could be rewarded by God. A friend of mine tells me about a, 
a taxi cab driver and a preacher who arrived at heaven at the same time and they were wondering what their rewards would be. And when the taxi cab driver identified himself as Joe Cohen, a, a taxi cab driver from New York, uh, they ushered him in and gave him great reward and the preacher thought he had it made in the shade. If the taxi cab driver gets all that, look what I'm going to get. But they gave him a simple cotton robe and a staff and he said, wait a minute, I don't understand. They said, no, no, you don't understand, you're right. We work up here by results. When you preached, people slept. When he drove the taxi, people prayed. <laughs> and maybe, maybe you have family members and friends who make you pray when they drive. I'm telling you, when we were, when Carlos and I were, were up, in, uh, up in Colorado with an octogenarian behind the wheel, driving a boat through the mountains, cutting across corners, I prayed hard. I mean, I was praying the whole time and what if we lived in ways that expressed our hearts of prayer to God? And what if we lived in ways that caused other people genuinely to seek the heart of God? So Jesus says, and when you pray, don't, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't because they want to be seen. But when you pray, he says, pray in secret. And your father who is unseen, he sees you. What if the unseen God sees us? That's what prayer is ultimately about. It's believing as Hebrews chapter 11 just uh, pours out so powerfully. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, faith, praying in faith is being certain of what we don't see. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, he says, if we're gonna come to him, we have to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. They asked C.S. Lewis one time, I read it on Chase's Facebook this week, so it must be true. Um, they, they said to C.S. Lewis, what does Jesus, uh, what does Jesus teach us about prayer? And do you have a quiet time? Do you think we should? And he said, you know what? It's a command. We ought to obey God's commands. And he said, there's always that possibility that Jesus Christ meant what he said when he told us to seek the secret place and close the door. I thought about this this week and it occurred to me that maybe some of the greatest people of prayer in the whole world who have ever lived, the hall of fame of prayer, the honor roll of prayer is filled with names of people that we don't even know because they never told anybody, but they told it to Jesus again and again and again. And to enter into his school is as a disciple to learn from him, to pray in secret to the God who sees. To be a disciple in Christ's school of prayer, we must also knowingly pray to the God who knows what we need. And the contrast this time is not to the religious, but to the irreligious, these, um, these pagans who don't understand, these people of a different faith. If you want to see this in the Bible, there are two clear examples. First in the Old Testament, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 26, when Elijah's having his showdown on uh, the mountain and he's there with, uh, on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and he's um, competing with them. And in chapter 18, verse 26, it says they prayed these prophets of Baal from morning till noon and they got louder as they went. And when they couldn't get Baal's attention, because by the way, Baal doesn't have any attention, then they ultimately cut themselves with swords and lancets because they thought somehow we have got to get our God's attention. And Elijah kind of mocks him. He says, maybe he's busy. Maybe he's taking a nap. 
But our God doesn't slumber or sleep and he calls upon his God and God answers by fire. He doesn't pray a a long prayer. He doesn't pray a loud prayer, but it is a most effective prayer. The the fire comes down. It not only licks up all the water, water around the altar, but it also consumes the stones. That's the power of a simple prayer offered up to a great God, knowing that this God knows our needs. In the New Testament, the example I think is found in Acts chapter 19, verse 34, where when uh, there's trouble in Ephesus, those who want to say great is Diana of the Ephesians for two hours continue to pray. I was wondering, what is the longest prayer you have ever heard anybody pray? I think the longest prayer I perceived, and I did a wedding yesterday and I did, I'll do two next, uh, next Saturday. But the pastor, we timed it in the, um, in the uh, tape. The pastor, Melanie's pastor growing up who prayed in our wedding, prayed for four minutes without stopping while we were trying to get married. It was the most amazing thing. He just went on and on. And it was very beautiful and eloquent in ways that I will never be. But right then it just seemed like a very, very long prayer. And Jesus says, it's not about heaping up many words. And he used this onomatopoeic word, this babbling, this batalaceto, just continuing just to talk and talk and talk because you think if you just keep talking that you'll bother God so much that you'll manipulate him. He'll have to do what he wants you to do. But that's not knowing God. Because if you know God, you know that prayer is not about informing him. We're not telling God anything in prayer that he doesn't already know. Prayer is not about information. Prayer is about transformation. It's not about informing him. It's about transforming and forming us in the image of Christ. And when we seek him, knowing that he is the God who knows our needs, we don't have to come with many words. I read about a church, St. Peter's Church in Sussex, England, who has a a very fast-selling CD at their church right now. And here's what the CD is. 30 minutes of silence. They're selling CDs that are quiet. The sounds of silence. The people in Taiwan picked it up in their newspaper and said, it's 30 minutes of absolutely nothing. But I would say, no, it's more than that because in our loud world, in our obnoxiously loud, cacophonic world, what we really need is to be still and to know that he is God. In our instrumental meditations this morning, I hope you capitalized on this. We got a chance just to be quiet because some of us, I'm in the crowd, haven't been quiet all week long unless we were sleeping. And we need, we need that silence before God. And as we're silent before him, we come to know him as the God who knows our needs. He says he already knows, he already knows your needs. And so that's why we can come to him confidently. Uh, uh, NPR was interviewing some young people about their religious habits, some young people who've abandoned their childhood faith. And this is what one of them said. He said, I've tried to leave the faith of my childhood behind, but I can't get over it. I like that. And then as he went on, they said, so do you pray? And he said, well, I do but I feel kind of hypocritical. That's the word he used when I pray because he said, I only pray when I'm scared, when I'm afraid and when I'm vulnerable. And I'm not sure he said that synchronizes with the rest of my life and I feel badly about it. And I read that and I thought, no apology needed. When you're feeling scared and afraid and vulnerable, that's a great time to go to God because he is the one 
who knows our needs. And this God who knows our needs invites us to come to him. So Jesus says, and when you pray, because if you're my disciple, you will pray. Come with this knowledge that God already has knowledge. He has knowledge of your needs. That's why you can say to him, your will be done. Because what we know for sure is that his will is better than our will. Because our will, yeah, it doesn't always work out so well. But his will, what if his will were done in our lives? And in these verses, he reminds us again of who our Father is. In fact, the scriptures tell us that we have in Christ this wonderful relationship with God. I know know in some ways this is our Father's world. I was driving four-wheelers through the mountains a couple weeks ago and I was looking at the mountain peaks and I was just, while we were driving, I'm a little strange, I know, just singing at the top of my voice, this is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought. This all is my father's world and I love the world that he created but but it's it's all his but we become his children through relationship with Jesus Christ that's why Paul could say to the Galatians and the Romans these are kind of parallel passages but in Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 he says you are sons and daughters of God and so you call out to him Abba father this is the way that Jesus prayed Abba Father, in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, God's not given you a spirit of slavery again to fear, but he's given you the spirit of sonship, of daughtership. You are his adopted children. And so you can call upon him as the God who knows you, the God who already knows your needs. When we were in Israel in 2000, some of you were with me and we were, we were at Bashan, I believe, in one of these tells, one of these excavation sites. And and to get down into the excavation, you had to walk down this long, steep staircase holding onto the rail into abject darkness. And there were a couple little Israeli girls in front of us and they were gonna beat the crowd and they were running down those stairs. But the darker it got, the more fearful they became and they would shout out, they would stop. You would hear the pitter patter stop as we were walking and they would shout and say, Abba. And I don't speak modern Hebrew. I read ancient Hebrew, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what the father was saying. I'm here. And he would speak in, uh, in Hebrew to them. And then the pitter-patter would start again and they would run down the stairs and they would stop and say, Abba. And they were making sure he was there. And maybe prayer is, maybe prayer is not running ahead of God into the darkness, but sometimes stopping and just recognizing that he's a father. And I saw a video while I was away amazing video I want to show you this morning of a little boy who was born without a cochlear nerve and um, his parents adopted him and his name is Grayson uh, Clamp and Grayson had never heard any sound and then they put a microchip in his brain and they put on an apparatus and you're going to get to see this morning the first time he hears anything I want you to see what he hears I want you to hear what he hears is not so much about us talking but about us listening to our father what would God say to you if he could speak to us today what would he say and wouldn't he say what he said to his son wouldn't he say this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased wouldn't he say this is the one I love and what if in our prayer we could hear God's voice saying I love you Wouldn't we pray differently? And if we pray differently, 
wouldn't we live differently? And if we live differently, wouldn't it change everything if we became a community of prayer? Let's pray. God, thank you for your amazing grace and love. Thank you that you have found a way to redeem us and restore us and reclaim us. We are wandering children, Father. And we go so far from where you want us to be and we step out of bounds, Lord, and we run into the darkness. And only when we become frightened do we stop and acknowledge you. But today, God, hear the spirit that you have placed within us saying, Abba, Father, thank you for seeing us. Even though we can't see you, we believe that you see us. And thank you for the knowledge that you know our needs and help us to trust you so that we may pray differently. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen.